Hi, I'm Tim Cass, General Manager of the USTA National Campus, and you are listening to the PTM Podcast. Hi, and welcome to episode 14 of the PTM Podcast, powered by Racket Sports U. I'm your host, Chris Michalowski, a PTMer known as Coach Mick, broadcasting right here from warm and sunny Orlando, Florida. So in the last episode, we talked about developing your coaching objective. Today, it's all about developing your coaching style. As always, let me tell you a little story first. It's story time with Coach Mick. All right, so at my last job, I was a director of tennis, and I was only about an hour and a half north of a PTM program up uh, Fair State over there. And so I would bring up PTM students all the time to help with events like adult tournaments and specifically this high school girls minicamp that we ran the weekend before uh, the girls were going to start having tryouts because we knew that the girls, half of them, were playing other sports in the winter. So this was a great way for them to get all the rust out of there before tryouts started. So it just fit in perfectly. It was a creative way to do it, and it always went off without a hitch. We had great pros there. We had on-court, off-court experts talking, match playing. It's really basically all matches. But anyway, after it was over, as good PTM students do, they always write you a thank-you letter and say, hey, nice job, nice job, you know, thank you for having me come, I learned a lot or whatever. And there was one that was pinned on our bulletin board written to a pro who was working at the minicamp saying, hey coach, thanks so much for teaching me that it's really important to be tough on your students because that's the way they learn better. When you're tough on them, it motivates them and it gets them to work harder, something to that effect. And I really appreciate that. I'm gonna start working on that. I thought to myself, oh brother, not always the best thing. And it all depends on the player, but some coaches believe that and that's the way they coach. And this coach was actually a very successful coach. For me, I thought to myself, boy, there's a lot of students I wouldn't be working with if I took that style the whole time. How can we tie that in with today's quick tip? And now today's quick tip on the PTM podcast. All right. So today's quick tip is start developing your coaching style. This is a bit more specific than your coaching objective because your students will see this in you every day. And when we took this sports science exam out of the book called Successful Coaching, there was three coaching styles that coaches usually lean toward. And they're A, the command style, B, the submissive style, and C, the cooperative style. So let's define them real quick. So the command style, the coach is basically the boss and the player's role is to do whatever the boss says. So the assumption is that the coach has all the experience, all the knowledge. So the coach gets to tell the athlete what to do because they know best and the athlete has to listen to what he or she is told. And you find this a lot in coaches definitely of the past. And in episode 13, regarding that baseball coach, that was the sub for his other baseball coach. So if you haven't heard that, go back to episode 13 and listen to that. A classic example of that is my son a while back was in a class, I think he was about 12, where he and his buddy were playing a couple of older kids and were up a break in the set. And the coach told the older two, if they lost a set, they had 50 push-ups. So on match point in the ad court, my 12-year-old son was receiving serve and the server's partner poached. So my son had time to run around his back and hit a winner down the line with his forehand, winning the match. And the comment from the coach was, that was a dumb shot. And I said to him, why is that a dumb shot? The guy poached, he went up the line, he won the set and he said, it's because that was a low percentage shot. So the command coach wants you to follow his instructions, what he says, and if you veer from that, he's not gonna like that, even in this case, if you win the match. So personally, I like this style somewhat, because it gave me a way to prove as a player to my coach that I could do it even if he kept saying that I couldn't. Like, oh, there's no way you'll learn to serve in volley. That just inspired me more to do it and prove to him that I could. 
only when I was confident though in what I was doing. I didn't like to sell when I was trying to learn something new or I didn't have the skill set yet. So this is where uh, you might hear kids saying after you make a suggestion, I'm trying because they just don't get it yet. Now players tend to play with this style to make the coach happy instead of playing because they're motivated. And this style fits in with the winning objective more than it does with having fun or developing players. So the second one is the submissive style. And this is more the babysitter style. All right, let's all have a good time. Don't make me have to make any serious decisions about your tennis. And this comes in, you know, you see a lot of basketball coaches that just let the players play. They use that submissive style. So there is a time to use it. There's very little instruction and direction. They may let a lot go when it comes to discipline. And this is basically the other parent's nightmare because I say this because as a parent, when you see your child being wronged, you want something to be done about it. And talking about parents, a submissive pair can be just as scary because when I see kids acting up and being disrespectful in a tournament or even in class and the parent does nothing, number one, I feel sorry for the kid. And number two, it upsets me that the parent can let this kind of behavior go without any consequence. But that's just the way things work these days and you have to learn how to handle those situations. Now, I've seen that some high performance coaches who are great players use this style. And in my mind, for one main reason, it's just that they know how to play but they're not comfortable coaching yet. So they tend to run a class by barking drills at them like, okay, four laps around three courts. Okay, now cross court, ground strokes for 10 minutes. Okay, now switch sides and do it again. Okay, now take some serves and returns. Okay, let's play some tiebreakers. Great job today. And you can see that they didn't really have a lot of engagement. They did all that with no instruction or huddles or interaction all during that whole two hours. As goes the phrase, great players don't always make great coaches. But like we said, there is a time for that. A submissive coach would not be allowed to lead a class at my club, but they may be able to assist under the guidance of a good lead coach and hopefully make their way up. So just so I'm not totally dogging them, though, this coach would be good at social events, fun nights, and maybe even a class where there are expectations instead of instruction, which is usually like a higher level class. So this style may put a coach in one of three categories, as the book says. Number one, incompetent or not confident. Number two, lazy or lazy. Or three, truly believe that this is the best style. And sometimes it is. And as a parent, I want to see a coach engaging with my child. And as an adult, I want the same engagement. Otherwise, what am I spending my money on? I can get more engagement online these days. The last style is the cooperative style. So this is a back and forth between the player and the coach, and the coach is there to help the player make smart decisions. An example might be when the point is over, you see something you want them to be aware of, but you have to let them make the discovery. So a submissive coach would say nothing. The command coach style might say, nice job if you won, and if you lost, bark at you about the passing shot you hit into the net. But a cooperative coach would say, hey, Renee, why did you think you lost that point? Now, this is something you have to get good at managing your students to see because the answer will most likely be, because I didn't hit the passing shot high enough. But usually the point is won or lost two to four shots before the last shot, and then a pattern is run by either player. For example, I might say, well, your opponent came to the net, that put more pressure on you, how could you have overcome that? And hopefully the answer is going to be by not hitting that short ball three shots ago. Hopefully that's gonna come out. This is the cooperative style. So I would say, what should you be focused on more the next time? Not missing the passing shot? No way. Hopefully they would say, keeping my neutral balls deep so they can't come up. So in working with a big group, I think a good way to accomplish this is when you see a consistent area you wanna cover with the group. Example, where to hit the ball when you poke. 
All right, you bring them into a huddle, talk about the possibilities and advantages and disadvantages of each one, and then you send them out. And the key now is to talk to players individually, like we said in the last example. This way you engage with them, but not too much, allowing them to think for themselves. I think this is a style we'd all answer as the one we'd like to use, like the development player's objective, but I think you really have to stay aware that this is what you want to do because it's very easy to veer off to one end or the other, the other two styles, based on what is happening out there. The challenge for coaches is to know how much to direct your player versus letting them direct themselves. And this will take time to master as well, just like hitting a forehand. Bottom line, remember, this is just the surface that I've scratched here. And if you don't have a coaching style, start practicing now because it will take a while like it did for me. Then you'll start getting more confident. Well, that wraps it up for episode 14 of the PTM podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, your coaching style is what your players will remember about you the most. So start developing yours now. Well, are you interested in a career in tennis or know someone who is? Or maybe you want to start a PTM program in your own area. Either way, go to ptmprograms.com and RSU will get you started. And don't forget, there's a huge need for quality coaches and RSU wants to meet you right where you're at and help you reach your destination in the racket sports industry. And as always, if you know someone who may benefit from the podcast, please share with them and thank you in advance for your support. Well, I'm Coach Mick, and I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for the next episode of the PTM Podcast.